welcome to Anchored, a podcast brought to you by The Word Unleashed, the preaching and teaching ministry of Tom Pennington. For more of Tom's content or to connect with us, visit our website at www.thewordunleashed.org. Now here's Tom exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth. The scripture teaches that man cannot come to Christ for salvation. Turn with me to John chapter 6 and verse 44. Now notice what Christ says here. Let's start to get context in verse 41. The Jews were therefore grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven. They were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down out of heaven? See, look, we know this guy. We know his family. What's he claiming? Verse 43, Jesus answered and said to him, do not grumble among yourselves. Now watch verse 44. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. Now let's take this verse apart piece by piece. Start with the first words. No one. There is a universal negative. Both in English and Greek, absolutely no human being is excluded. No one can. No one can. Again, this is our Greek word dunamai. It means to be able, to have the power. You understand this. We have the same issue in English. We have two words in English that imply ability to some degree. One of those is can, and the other is may. Now, if you grew up in a home where there was a teacher, or if you remember from school, you stood up to ask a question, and you said, Teacher or mother, can I get something to drink? What was the response you got? Well... Sure, you, you can, you have the ability, but are you asking permission? The right word for that is may. The same thing is true with this Greek word that lies behind the English word. Jesus is saying, no one can, no one has the ability, no one has the power to come to me. That's Christ's common expression throughout the Gospels for approaching him for salvation. You remember those famous words where he says, Let all who labor and are heavy laden come unto me, and I will give you rest. He's talking about coming to him, approaching him for salvation. So he says, No one, universal negative, can, that is, has the power or capacity to come to me unless, here's the necessary condition, unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one has the capacity to come to Christ for salvation unless the Father draws. Now, what does it mean to draw? Well, this Greek word occurs eight times in the New Testament. Some people who read this passage want to read this word as to woo, to coax. No one can come to the Father unless, or excuse me, can come to Christ unless the Father woos him or coaxes him to come. That's not what the word means fact, according to the dictionary on New Testament terms, Kittle's New Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, ten-volume set, rehearsing all of the secular uses and the, the Old Testament uses and the New Testament uses, it means, this word draw, 
means to compel by irresistible superiority. It's sometimes in the New Testament translated as drag. Turn to Acts 16. You'll get the context of this word. Acts 16, verse 19. Here you'll remember we're in Philippi, and there was a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. Verse 19, uh, of course, Paul cast the demon out. And when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. That's our word, draw. The word dragged. They drew them to the marketplace. They compelled them by irresistible superiority and force. Turn to James chapter 2. We're going to get to this passage here in just a couple of weeks. Well, maybe more than a couple. James 2 verse 6. He writes, But you have dishonored the poor man. He's talking about having partiality toward the rich in their, in their assembly. Is not the rich the ones who, who oppress you and personally drag you into court? The word drag is, again, our word for draw. We're not talking about wooing. We're not talking about coaxing. We're talking about compelling. So the meaning, back to John 6, verse 44, the meaning is crystal clear. No human being has the power or ability to approach Jesus for salvation unless the Father irresistibly compels him to come. Now, we'll talk about salvation when we get there. This doesn't mean that God drags the sinner to himself against his will. It means that God has the capacity to make us willing to come. He changes our desires. But it's a work of God. We don't have the capacity to come to Christ apart from the work of God. Now, you may be sitting there thinking of the most common of the objections to what I've just taught you. And it's this. Responsibility implies ability. If God commands people to repent and believe, they must have the ability in and of themselves to do it. Now, on the face of it, that sounds logical and reasonable. But that isn't even consistent with the rest of the Scripture. Think of the law of God, for example. The law of God, that reflection of the moral will of God, contained, or I should say outlined in the Ten Commandments, summarized by Jesus Christ as love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, that law is compelling for every human being. And yet you tell me, is there a single human being who has the capacity to obey it? And in fact, that wasn't its intention. Its intention was to show us we couldn't keep it. Look at Romans chapter 3. We looked at this last week. Romans chapter 3, verse 19. We know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. The law wasn't given. You weren't given commands to love God perfectly and to love your neighbor as yourself because you have the ability to keep it. You were given that command to show you you could never keep it. And apart from God's grace, you would never have a hope of heaven. Paul makes the same point in Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, excuse me, chapter 2 and verse 16. 
Galatians 2.16, he says, We know that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. We have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. So God gave commands that no one would ever keep. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. God gave a law simply to show us that we can never keep it, not because we had the ability to keep it. So in reality, the opposite is true. Inability does not negate responsibility. A.W. Pink gives the illustration of having a debt. He says, inability to pay a debt does not excuse a debtor who has recklessly squandered his estate. doesn't mean you're off the hook. God lent man the ability to obey him. Mankind in Adam squandered that ability on sin, and we still owe God what he allowed us to borrow, even if our resources no longer allow us to pay him back. God has no Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Pink's other illustration is a man who chooses to drink. And he gets drunk, and then while drunk he kills a pedestrian with his car. What if that man pleads innocent because he says, I was drunk, and I couldn't help what happened? Because he chose to get drunk, his lack of ability only compounds his guilt, doesn't it? Louis Burkhoff, in his Systematic Theology, writes, we should not forget that the inability under consideration is self-imposed has a moral origin, and is not due to any limitation which God has put upon man's being. It's something we all would have done in Adam's place. Understand that every person has a free will in the sense that they can choose what they want. They make real choices. Each of us makes real choices. But apart from the work of God, no human being has the capacity in his will, to choose God and to choose Christ. That's what theologians mean by moral inability. Nothing we can ever do, nothing we will ever choose to do, pleases God or brings us one step closer to God. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anchored Podcast. If you'd like to access additional content from Tom, or if you're interested in partnering with The Word Unleashed, please visit our website at www.thewordunleashed.org and be sure to connect with us on social media. We look forward to studying God's Word together with you on the next episode of Anchored. Anchored.